Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Talk, where we talk about a lot of things. Sometimes they matter, sometimes they don't, but they are always entertaining. We're your hosts, Carol and Emily Rose, and today we have a very special guest with us that we're really excited to introduce to y'all. So... Today, we have a Sandra with us who came to talk to us, who came to share with us. Today, we're going to be talking about the Black diaspora. Sandra, tell us a bit about yourself, your experience, your knowledge. Just give us all the details. So hello, my name is Sandra. I'm 21 years old. I'm currently in ethics and political philosophy. And my interest in the Black diaspora is kind of like personal in a sense, but ever since um kind of like seen the division that we have as a black community and wanted to understand why as black people why are we not connected i started doing more research on uh the african diaspora okay so we're going to talk a bit about i guess we can get started with talking about the history and just um because you've done a lot of research on the history of the black diaspora can you tell us a bit more about the knowledge you've acquired in that in that realm, I guess. Absolutely. So first off, as we all know, slavery is the most common thing that we can relate as um, Blacks. So as soon as we took mainly from West Africa, because that was the main point of entry, and uh, the slaves settled in the United States, but as well as West Indian Islands, and it's only called West India because of Christopher Columbus. So historically, not accurate, but this is what they say in the historic book. So we're just going to stick with that. So the West Indians, or once again, the Caribbeans, um, had a different lifestyle than the ones in the States, obviously, because they were kind of like the backup slaves in a sense. If you didn't want to go all the way back to West Africa, you still had like your slaves in the Caribbeans. Um, moving fast forward to eight, around 1804, we know that Haiti got their independence, which is the first Black country ever to get their independence it kind of started a different dynamic. Um, now in the States, people wanted to get their freedom. And I think around 1822 was when we started to have like the first free slaves. Within that um, dynamic, some wanted to stay in the States, but some wanted to leave. And the ones that wanted to leave wanted to go back and start their roots back into the West Africa. And that's actually how um, Liberia, the country was born. And that's also how um, two different groups came to kind of like stir up the ones that identified as African Americans, even though that term didn't really exist yet, but they acknowledged that they were Africans living in America. And then there was also a different group of Africans that wanted to go back or wanted to start a new life into their motherland. That dynamic of those two groups kind of grew into the 1960s. So the ones that wanted to stay fought for their rights with the, the freedom right movement that we all know with Martin Luther King in the 1960s. But at the same time, Africans were also dealing with their own struggles. We had like this whole wave of independence throughout the 1960s. And in the 1980s, I think with the last country being Liberia, Libya, I think, I'm not sure about that. Um, 
So we still have this dynamic of Africans not understanding the African-Americans because they didn't really fight the same fight as they did. And then the African-Americans not understanding the Caribbeans because they kind of already fought their fight before them. So now we have three different groups of Blacks that don't have the same length of understanding anymore. Before slavery, all kind of like gathered them around. But now we have different culture dynamic, different historical dynamics, and different communication dynamics as well, because language is also a barrier. Um, so as we go down to history to more like present day times, we still have certain groups that want to reconnect with their African roots, but do it without the historical accuracies, which is something we can discuss after that. And we also still have the African-Americans that identify as American and completely reject their African roots. Same thing as Caribbeans that also reject their African roots and some Caribbeans that um, identify themselves as African, but with a little bit of Caribbean in them. One thing I'd like to, just to build off what Sandra was talking about at the end there about how like certain um, Black groups outside of Africa don't necessarily claim their, like, African roots. Personally, I don't really think they need to, like, I know that, like, a big, like, part of, like, the diaspora wars thing is, like, Africans being, like, you're African, and then Black people from, like, America or, or the Caribbean being, like, no, we're not, and personally, it's, like, I think that despite you know we all know that all like black people were all in Africa before you know slave trade and like all of the movement right but I think that the cultures have progressed so far at this point that to call them African would be to kind of reduce all of the things that like those specific cultures have done over the last four or five hundred years or so you know what I mean so it's like because it's like if Canadians, if white people in Canada can call themselves Canadians, despite actually being like from England and from France, you know, if white people in America can call themselves Americans, despite being from England, you know, Arabas, I feel like Black people in the Caribbean, Black people in South America, Black people in the States should be able to own their nationality without constantly having to add, oh, but I'm also, you know, African oh but I also have African roots and like obviously it's important to understand the history behind it but I don't think that like we need to like say because I feel like to say that they're African is wrong because they aren't African anymore you know maybe they were African at one time they have African roots but like now to say that they're African would not be accurate anymore um so yeah so kind of the current racial tensions if you could even call them racial tensions because like I mean we're the same race but like ethnic tensions I guess would be the better word ethnic cultural tensions um that are seen in the present day um you know between African and American let me not even say that between black Americans between uh black Caribbeans between black um South American uh would you no that, that's not the same like black caribbean and black south america that's not the same but and then like black africans right and i think it's very interesting because i think a lot of like the diaspora wars like all of the fodder for the diaspora wars i think kind of like it all originates in like white supremacy yep. you know so it's like whenever you hear like to, like when you hear black americans talk shit about africa it's like 
oh, like y'all live in huts. So why are you even talking? That's that, you know, that's that white colonial mindset because why do you think that everybody in Africa lives in a hut, right? And then you'll have Africans talk shit about Caribbeans and being like, oh, you guys are all like lazy and you guys are all drug dealers, right? Why do you think that they're drug dealers, right? Who ingrained that in your brain? Who put that there, right? And then it'll be the, what's it called? The South American black people being like, I know black, you know? Why do you not want to be Black so bad? What is so terrible with being Black that you identify with your nationality so much more than your race, you know? And so I think all those things, yeah. That's one of the reasons why Africans don't like African-Americans because the African-Americans, they think that the African-Americans were brainwashed by the white middle class Mm. society. So basically they think that... um, African-Americans kind of like wanted to be the white middle-class man so bad that they kind of like rejected their blackness because that's the way they could move forward. And this made Africans disappointed by black Americans ignorance and apathy towards Africa and attitudes perceived as rejection and hatred of Africans. So the aspect that you were talking about, how like, it's it's basically like how black people, like black African-American, yeah, black African-Americans kind of identify themselves more with like they want to identify themselves more with um, the like white people because of like U.S. history instead of like going back to their roots and learning about African history they want to learn about like that the U.S. history because they're in the U.S. which is not really a bad thing either because like you said they don't really have a perception of Africa because they haven't been there in so long. So I don't think, I think brainwashing was kind of like dramatic to, to be used, but that's one of the, the resentments that African have towards black Americans is just the fact that like they were ignorant and they didn't want to like learn about their roots. That's why you have like people like Dr. Umar that are like, we can't learn about like the US history. We have to learn about our motherlands, but like, why would you want to learn about a history that like you have no perception of like you you've never been there like you said like you've never been there you build 400 years of your life in this country so you kind of like have to learn about this country um but yeah it's just I don't like you had a really good point about saying like it's not they can't really identify as African because they have no perception of Africa like they only know about the U.S. history and it's not yes it's okay to learn about um African history and they probably should have a bit more but it's also not bad that they only learned U.S. history but is that I feel like learning about African history should be a very personal thing for someone that's African-American someone who's like as far as they can know like parents grandparents great-grandparents great-great-grandparents have only known America so I feel like that's like the only history that they owe like their lineage I mean their their ancestors in my opinion to look into exactly like I don't think that we like I don't think it's I I don't think it should be a forced thing like you have to know where like you have to go on ancestry.com know exactly I think like you said it's definitely a personal thing um but that's where like the people that's where like kind of the group divides and those are mostly the, the people that do learn about it like the Dr. Umars for example those are the ones that don't identify with the U.S. they want to go back to their roots and they want to establish like a deeper connection with that because of the hurt that they've experienced in the United States 
So that's like why those two different groups don't like even within Black African Americans, they don't really connect because it's like one or like this is our country. You have just have to deal with it. We were brought here. Might as well make it our nationality. Mm. But some African Americans are like, no, this is not where I was supposed to be. I need to learn yeah. where I come from, and I'm gonna identify with that. But which, like, like Emily said, is hard to do because you know you haven't been there yeah i was gonna say like so you I'm have gonna... like you, you had a really good point do you feel any connection to like africans today because like it's a personal like See, it's a connection to the land and not a connection to like the people at all because like the people like these are not the people that were here 400 years ago when like your yeah, ancestors th- were taken from africa i think that the plight of the african-american um is very specific And despite being, like, the largest, like, voice, you know, when we talk about things like that, it's hardly ever really acknowledged how, like, crazy it is that they don't really have, like, not roots, because obviously, like, they've built roots in their country, but it's, like, when people say, go back to your country, they don't have a country to go back to, you know, like, America is their country, right? They don't have a home they're not just immigrants who've lived there for generations and generations they fully like don't know where they're from if I can add just a little bit um yeah I definitely like I was gonna say that that's why you can't blame them for wanting to know their roots Americans African Americans I think at heart want to rebuild their roots because of how of that narrative of Black people needed to be together which is fair but I don't think you can, you have to do it with knowing where you come from either, especially if it's historically hard to know where you come from as well. And just that whole notion of, I kind of lost my train of thought. I was just adding on to what she said. So you can continue what you said. Um, Yeah, no, I was talking about how um, us as like first generation immigrants, um, first generation, second generation, we talked about how we're first 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 generation. generation. Okay. but how like we because our experience is unique compared to our parents you know because it's like despite being African we did not grow up in Africa right and so then even me like I'll have people that are actually like from Africa who will talk to me and say like you're not actually African you know because like you didn't grow up there you know and so but even that experience is so far removed from the African-American experience because like at least like we can somehow connect to some type of ancestry history someone that can connect us to lineage right but like Mm. they don't have any of that and so like I can't imagine how like not scared because even then as like Karen was saying it's like obviously the same people that are in Africa now weren't there 400 years ago so it's not like my grandma was there once like, like you know it's not like I can like correct like directly connect back ties but like it's something you know like when you think of like your background or if you can think of like where you came from you kind of have like a better idea and so yeah no I just find that really interesting and the whole point of like who actually gets to claim which nationalities right especially in the case of like immigration like so am I not an African because like I wasn't born there and then my kids might not be born in Cameroon either so then like what are my kids still going to be considered you know what I mean so it's like if our parents says like if we do what our parents did so if we immigrate to stay another country or if we stay in Canada and we keep having our kids here is there going to be a point where like our kids don't 
know they're Cameroonian? Are we gonna there get there? Definitely like, is going to be you know a point. what I mean? Yeah. Like that's I don't know. Like that's all like really interesting to me because I don't speak the language. I don't even the food. Like there's some that I can make, but I'm not like well, you know, like I'm not gonna be in the kitchen for four hours. That's not me. You know what I mean? So it's like, how will that tradition get passed on to my kids, especially if they don't grow up in the environment? Because even if I move to Africa, I don't think it'll be to Cameroon because right now the situation is very, you know, very rocky, rocky roads, you know? <laughs> so like, yeah. how will my kids get that culture? Like, that's kind of scary to me, you know? Um, so yeah, add on to the cultural, yeah. like, um, getting lost in where who am I how who do I identify how do I identify as I think that's where like historically black Americans when they try to reconnect with their African roots I don't know how it came to Egypt but it's always with Egypt and I don't understand like how they got that connection it's always like like you know with like um when you look online and you have like those black Americans with that like um I think they're like uh, the anglet, like that symbol, and the spirituality, it always goes back to Egyptian spirituality, and to an extent, only if you're, like, Ethiopian or somewhat um, from Mali, then you can, like, kind of identify with that, because Egyptian kind of, like, migrated from there, went up to Egypt, but if you're historically West African, where did you, like, how did you climb up to Egypt and reconnect with that route I think that's a thing of accessibility right because a lot of African cultures are like very um like there weren't many physical like transcripts held right the Egyptians they had like hieroglyphs and they had stuff that was like translated to modern English and so it's very and there's so much research done about ancient Egypt right so if one wants to educate themselves on Egyptian spirituality it's almost as easy as educating yourself on Greek spirituality or not spirituality mythology right but like or like what other African countries have that kind of like Nigeria a little bit you know they have like the Orishas like if you want to find out about Nigerian spirituality you can it's very easy but like especially if, ever since Beyonce's movie where she spe- kind of yeah, like shows a lot King, of Nigerian spirituality you know, countries like Nigeria or, or even countries like Ghana that have like yeah. one major language so they speak like Shui there or if you want to talk Kenya they speak what um Swahili, what's it Kiswahili so and yeah. like that's like the most spoken African language right so it's like if someone wants to like connect with their roots go back to where they came from it's easy to it's like I feel like that makes more sense than Egypt though I think that's just my thing I'm just I just like, think that in it. general like they're kind of just like grasping onto anything tangible because yeah. finding out about African spirituality is really hard like I was it looking is. into it and it is so difficult to find anything tangible that isn't from like especially like Cameroon like specifically like I couldn't mm. find anything because like so many African countries right I think it's because of like colonization right because mm. colonization fragmented and separated African countries into things that they weren't originally because like Cameroon part of Cameroon used to be in Nigeria like yeah. the anglophone part and then yeah. like you know colonization switched it switched it switched it right and so so mm-hmm. much of our history and culture was lost right and so even for people like even for my parents who are from there right they don't know that much about Cameroonian spirituality either mm-hmm. right and they're from the country you know so like you can imagine for people who have never like been to the Americans. continent mm-hmm. who have whose fa- whose families have like generations have never even set foot 
on the continent do not have any type of tangible relationship to the continent how it might be difficult to like try to learn about specific aspects of culture but what I don't appreciate is when the culture is kind of like mocked or it's done in kind of like a Jacques I don't know if you saw like I don't know like you know Wild and Out like the show mm-hmm. like sometimes like they'll have guests and once they had a Kofi the girl who sang Toast yeah yeah that's Kofi yeah yeah and then like when she came on like they were all wearing like these Jamaican like the you know like the big like the beanie whatever like the big hat with like the red yellow green mm-hmm. and like everyone was wearing like Jamaican flag. like and it wasn't like a patriotic thing it was kind of like a mocking thing ish yeah. or like even when like they'll wear like dashikis and like mock it like that kind of stuff I well obviously I don't appreciate because it's like like, you know so I feel like black Americans in the same like whilst on one hand I sympathize because it's like I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to have like no sense of like where like your origin but then again for them it's also different right because they don't feel a lot of, i don't think a lot of black americans feel the need to have a sense of origin because like for them well, like let, let, for them, then again like i said America there's two groups right there's one group that really 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 wants to reconnect with their roots and that's where you got like the dr umars and the pan-africanism that want to reconnect with africa and then you have the group that like what you said the ones that are like don't really really care about it because to them they're not even african anymore they're just yeah, black americans because black americans have evolved to have like their own cultures their own set of like practices foods dances traditions exactly all of those things just going by new orleans like they already have like their own like new orleans like culture which i wanted to touch about uh touch a little bit because culturally like if you go to new orleans there's a lot of Ghanaian foods that were just like switched into new orleans food because of just the resources. So do you guys know the, the plate gumbo in New Orleans? Yeah. It, it's literally similar to the gumbo in Ghana and our gumbo. So yeah, it is exactly. made out of okra. So we put crayfish because we actually have crayfish and as well as uh, dried shrimp, but they don't have dried shrimp. So it's just like with what they remember, which I find like after so many years, all these recipes and these dances, dance like when you look at dances uh when you go into the caribbeans just soca parties really resemble the same type of like um bikutsi that we have in cameroon because it's the same hip movements it's the same like you know um girls shaking their booties you know like so it's the same principles but just because of like the environment and they just have with the resources that they have they just made it their own so i think that is really cool that like even though, yes, they've lost touch of, like, their African roots, I think that they just translated into, like, what they remember and what the resources, like, that yeah. they have. So, in a sense, I feel like if they looked at it that way, like, the ones that want to go, like, that group of Black Americans that want to go back so bad, just acknowledge that, like, where that culture that they made right now comes from, because it does come from those roots. And I think instead of like going back and like learning about like Egyptian spirituality, they should just learn about like, how did this meal come to come to be? How does this dance comes to be? Why do we speak this way? Why do we believe in these stereotypes and these spirituality stuff? Yeah. So not like looking out into something that like might not even relate to your roots, but looking within your roots and seeing where those come mm-hmm. from. 
yeah um, so yeah and that's really interesting I because I, I was I was thinking about like Emily's point about like like the people who are in Cameroon right now like people in Cameroon not knowing that history it's like they don't know that history either so it confuses yeah. me that Africans are like that certain Africans are like trying to push so hard on the concept that they're African because they don't even relate to like the concept of Africa that they're telling Black Americans to relate to, you know, like the Africa that they want Black Americans to connect with, they don't connect with it either. So it's just like, why do you want me to do that so badly? Because if I ask you about spirituality, you're going to start talking about voodoo and you're going to start saying it in like a negative light. You know, you could probably start talking about like- That's interesting because my parents, like when I grew up with my parents, spirituality was always a positive thing. Like, Mm. especially when it comes to like funerals, because funerals are always like, they're obviously like they're negative because someone died. But like when funerals happen, um, you have the spirit guides that come in, you have different, the chiefs that comes in. And like, from what I've known from my personal experience is that they still have roots with their spirituality. I don't know if you guys know, like we still have like, like um laub de la paix like the like is there, there's a tree that represents peace so if that person lost their mom you're the one that gives them like a branch of like that peace um and you also have like a couple of jujus that you give to them to represent i'm like i'm sorry so like from what i grew out as a thing and i've always seen it as a positive light the hypocrisy for me is that they call it voodoo, even though it's just their way of translating how spirituality works, which makes sense because like there's been a disconnect over history. So I just find it hypocritical how some Africans that do understand spirituality well and see it as a positive light, um, see the ones that the Caribbeans has translated because historical gap as evil. I, think, I just find it hypocritical. I think it's really interesting because I grew up in a house with like, two di- so it's like my dad was like really into like spirituality stuff and then my mom was you know catholic christian go church mm. everything so i grew up kind of with both um like even when i came to uni like my dad gave me i think it's called a zindam or whatever and he like did like a blessing like a spiritual mm-hmm. you know and like even when i got my first like actual job at mcdonald's my dad like made me um buy oh, so, so we had this like tradition so it's like when you get your first job your first paycheck has to be spent like on your family right so I bought like my first paycheck was like $60 or something and I bought like pizza for the family pizza drinks whatever and then like he poured some out outside for the ancestors and so like little like traditions like that like my dad Mm -hmm. has always been very into like spiritual things right and so, but my mom was more so the side of like, you know, God is good. That's the devil. Don't do that. You know, like, like, it's like, funny like I rebuke it kind oh, of. Oh, damn. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like something, if something bad happens, you know, you or something good happens. salt in the corners too. Praise God. No, no, we didn't do that. But mm. like, I went with the priest oh. came over, you know, bless the house, everything. So it was really interesting to grow up with kind of, both of those perspectives and like to be able to form my own opinions on like religion spirituality and things of that nature and I think that most of today's 
African like beliefs or behavioral practices come from the white supremacy ingrained in Christianity and Catholicism. So you know the whole thing of respect respectability politics, right? The entire thing of you know, you need to dress a certain way, speak a certain way, act a certain way, because you want to be perceived in a certain way, right? That specific way we want to be perceived is, you know, it appeals to the white man's gaze, right? You want to look professional, you want to look clean, you want to look, you know, like a nice, like a respectable young woman, like a nice young man who, but who determines what is and is not respectable, right? That's the reason why, you know, I don't know if it's for y'all, but like for me, like locks are frowned upon, men having long hair is frowned upon, men having ear piercings is frowned upon. That also, you know, little little homophobia rooted in there, you know, sprinkle that in there, you know, um, fear of like, you know, the black man being de, um, demasculinized, right? Because the black man was like the pillar of strength in the black community for so long. Um, what else? Like things like sex in general, like the whole stigma around being you know sexually liberated and you know being promiscuous you promiscuous because some people are even really extreme like some parents like I've heard my friends say that their moms won't let them wear anklets because that's like for prostitutes you know like the level to which it's ingrained in our brains is crazy and the sexuality one for me is really interesting because so many tribes in Africa literally used to walk around like with like women used to walk around with their breasts hanging out like we people literally used to walk around naked and niggas we're not getting raped. I mean, I don't, let me not say that. I wasn't there. Um, People were probably getting raped. It was probably happening, but it was the norm. You know, like we watched a documentary because I'm a, like one of my minors is African studies. We watched a documentary and it wasn't filmed, I think that long ago, probably in the last like 40 years and something. The women in the documentary were still walking around topless, right? So like people still do it, right? But the white man ingrained in our societies that our bodies are meant to be sexualized, right? And so that's even present in our dancing, right? African dancing, there's a lot of hip movements, a lot of waist movements, and not even just African, but like the black diaspora in general. There's a yeah. lot of hip movement, waist movement. Because they all come from the same thing. Like twerking is you not, know? it's twerking. One thing I hate about the whole twerking thing is become so sexualized, but like the roots and the meaning behind it was never sexual. It was sexual. Like, it never was. In African like, cultures, fertility is so important, you know, like the whole thing of like attracting a mate sensuality right like divine womanhood you know being in tune with your body and like being comfortable and proud of it right that was like 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 sensuality was like a key for African women right and then the white man shamed us for it so much yeah. so that now we are all wearing now clothes. we can't even our be bodies, respected by doing that our bodies are over sexualized like you can't even wear anything without like no matter your body type you get some type of fetish associated some type of commentary associated any type of dance automatically becomes oh it's ghetto it's ratchet it's you know it's sexual but it's like you can dance like you know kumpa like you know how close people are like yeah that you can dance kumpa with someone and actually have and no feelings for them dance. it's They're a not, dance like it's like it's just the the way they image it as like oh it's too much like you can't even like Caribbean parents are like you can't dance that in front of us it's just like, like the anytime you, you see imagine it life if the white man hadn't fucked it up we'd be rocking around just like titties swinging dance like literally I don't know. and I just 
like but I do love the fact that like at least that's one thing that that didn't completely strip away so like Caribbean still practice that dance and that mm-hmm. sensuality and they just made it themselves like the whole like Ahsoka culture so I'm kind of glad that like that hasn't been like disappeared completely but it's still like you can't really do it compa as well like it didn't disappear completely but it's like when you do it mm. like the attitudes changed Mm -hmm. yeah the attitudes changed around it like even people who grew up doing it now the white man told them no and now it's like the attitudes completely changed and like when it comes to salsa that's also a derivation of it that's okay yeah and i'm like why because now it's hispanic like that doesn't make any sense i don't understand back to the point that emily was making about like christianity and like the difference between like spirituality and christianity i've always been so wary of like because i'm still figuring out like what i believe in what my faith is and i've always been so wary when it came to like looking into christianity simply because of the way it's been practiced like like just the story, like hearing the stories of like missionaries going to African countries and telling kids that God won't see them unless they're named like David, Joshua, and Peter, you know, like things like that make me so wary of like Christianity and how I'm supposed to practice it, knowing that like it was actively used to like oppress by people, you know, like it was yeah. actively being used in that way. My point of view of Christianity is kind of like with my mom, because it's like my mom is very in touch with her spirituality like her Cameroon spirituality. And it's just interesting how like, because of like, she, because of how she had to grow in society, she kind of had to integrate Christianity into it. So it's still, you know, bless God, Jesus Christ is the best, blah, blah, blah. But you know, when she has to do like, like uh, traditional weddings, it's still spiritual, but we go to the church, but we also go get our blessings from like, I forgot, like, it's not a shaman, but like, you know, like one of like those ritual people, when you have to like, um, bear someone do a funeral, you still go to church, but you also have to give like the tree of peace, the jujubes and everything. So it's just like, I feel like in a sense, you just have to integrate it because of how it was integrated into our culture and into our history. So, and it, like, in one way i kind of respect how she didn't lose her roots of spirituality but in another i wish you it was just a hundred percent spirituality or a hundred percent um christianity but if it was a hundred percent christianity the white men would win so it's just like it's only there because we had to do it it's only there because to move to the west for example to adapt all these like that's these habits like what emily was talking about like you have to look a certain way speak a certain way um to kind of like adapt yourself and become integrated into like to move into the west in the western world we have to speak a certain way think a certain way and also believe in a certain way so i think like that has been integrated to the point where you kind of like have to forget about your spirituality um but I, I, yeah, so like, I kind of respect how my mom like kind of integrates it. I don't know if that's a thing to be, to be honest, because like, like your mom, like, like your mom said, Emily, it's just like, that's the devil, that's whatever. But it's like, that's what you knew before they came. So it's like, is it really the devil? Is it really, it doesn't make any sense. To me, those are, it doesn't make any sense. It's just like, if you want to integrate it, I don't see the harm in that because like, first things first was spirituality anyways so I just now I have to think of Jesus now because that's what they think 
And that's what they told me to think. I, for me, like the most interesting topic I've recently like started to think about, we even talked about it in one of my classes, was that like Christianity, I'm a, I don't know, sorry to y'all, um, Christianity is also a myth. Um, Christianity is also magic as much as we want to. So there's this idea, right? Like when we talk about African cultures, we often talk about it from the lens of like, this is fake, right? We often look down on practices, the healing rituals, the, you know, the things like, oh, like these silly people, you know, they're doing these dances and they're singing these songs and they're saying these words and they're cutting chickens heads. What do they think this is going to accomplish? Modern medicine, all of these things. And I'm like, okay, well, like modern medicine is still here. And yet Christians are in churches every Sunday singing hymns, saying words to an invisible person in the sky, praying to a man that was not allowed. You know what I mean? So I'm like, if we're going to speak about African um, traditional traditional spirituality and through the lens that, oh, it's a myth. Oh, it's, uh, I can't think of the right word right now. But if we're going to frame it through this fictitious lens, if we're going to talk about it as if we're writing like a children's book, right? If we're going to look down at them and laugh and like, oh, how far we've come, why do we not do the same for the Christ- for Christianity? Is it because most Christians, I, I don't want to say most Christians are white because I don't know if it's true, but it is a white man's religion. Most white countries are built on the foundation most of Christians Christianity. Most Christians are in Africa because of the Because of colonization, yeah. but most westernized countries have Christianity as the primary religion, right? Mm-hmm. And Christianity has been, you know, implemented obviously due to colonialism and such so much that like people have lost, you know, their original religions. People have lost even like languages, right? Like people don't teach their kids how to speak their native languages because they want them to be more white, right? They don't let their kids listen to certain music. They don't let their kids say certain words because they want them to fit into a certain mold even like when I was a kid like I used to call um like la lotion like I used to call it l'huile right oh it's l'huile pour te oindre whatever but then my dad was always like no it's lotion don't say l'huile because that's not the right word like he was very like even for like very specific words in English he wouldn't let us say because that's not how you say that you have to speak properly right and I just think it's very interesting how pervasive the nature of the white man's culture is in like the African diaspora but I also think it's interesting how we never question the white man's culture you know we, yeah. we hardly ever sit and like dissect well you know african spirituality does it work why does it matter does christianity work you know like they'll be like oh haha like people in african spirituality you know they'll pray to the to the what's it called le, um, le marabou, they'll go see the marabou, whatever and someone will still die or someone will still live or whatever you won't get what you wanted but it's like people pray every day and still die like you know like yeah. people pray every day and they're the things that they wanted don't come true so it's like why do we hardly ever take that same critical lens and flip it um so yeah i think from that same point of view that's how some um also acknowledge christianity because they have to acknowledge it and they also acknowledge their african spirituality and kind of like mix and match it uh, in a sense but you're also right in the sense where like if they deny their African spirituality, they should also look into why they didn't deny um, the spirituality that they've been like um, taught to learn and honestly forced to learn at this point. So it hasn't become a choice. 
And if you choose, you have to acknowledge everything. That's one thing I, I love about like when you study anthropology, every culture and every like diverse people is true. You can't look at them and say that like what they're doing is wrong because what makes what you're doing the right way? There is no right way. There is no right culture. And that's why I, um, once again, I don't understand this black division as well, because it's like, what makes you the like blacks of blacks? Because some Africans deny the Caribbeans because the Caribbeans didn't fight for Africans. The Americans didn't fight for the Africans. So we are the true blacks because we are doing it the right way. But within the environment, Caribbeans, they, they also fought for their own rights. They also fought for their independence. So in their own like culture and their own like um, historical point of view, they're also like authentic and true. So every like diversity that we have within our own African diaspora, there isn't one true like black. We should just acknowledge the diversity that we all have and accept it and acknowledge it instead of being like, oh, their voodoo is bad voodoo. Our voodoo is not the same. It's different spirituality or the way they do it is so bad because they didn't do it like we did it. I just don't understand the whole like division, but it's just the way like we grew up. It's, the, it's always been like, I think like you said with white supremacy, there's always been like that wanting of being at that level of highness. And to be there, you have to kind of like lower everybody down and tell them that like your culture is not as meaningful as my culture because I'm the first one to do it, which is sad. A point that I like want to make when you're talking about like the difference in cultures and how we all like try to separate ourselves based on what we went through and all that. And I was thinking about that in terms of like us black people and like the concept of cultural appropriation, because like the concept of cultural appropriation is essentially like if you didn't grow up with it, this is not your culture, stay away from it. Like, don't try to be out here putting box braids when you're like fucking Irish, you know, but it's yeah. like, it's like, can we, does that mean that we as black people are capable of appropriating like cultures? Because like, I'm African, I'm not African-American. I am not from the Caribbeans. I do not understand, like, I don't have a full understanding of those cultures, what they're doing, like what it means to be part of those cultures, what they do. You know, if I just start tapping into that culture, you know, am I appropriating it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's very complex and that's, oh, you can, you can go, Emily. I feel like, well, obviously, I think that there is a certain extent to which one can culturally appropriate um, because it's like, for example, in America, like there's a lot of dances that they invented there, like that dances that are specific to like specific regions. Um, so like, I don't know, like, I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to embarrass myself and say like the wrong thing in the wrong region, but like <laughs> there are specific dances for specific regions. And so if I as just like, you know, an African just comes in and, like, starts doing these and, like, don't necessarily give credit to, like, where credit's due or don't do it in, like, an appreciating manner, then I, too, can be culturally appropriating, like, because that's not my culture. Same way an African-American can cultural appropriate um, specific African styles, like, whether it be um, clothing-wise, dance-wise, music-wise, especially music-wise, 
um, because now Afrobeats are kind of sort of like small, small, taking off a little bit, you know? And so if I don't give credit to where credit's due to the original, you know, creators of the, like the style, the music, whatever, I too can be culturally appropriating. I think that people tend to overlook it more because, you know, we're all Black, you know, soy Black. Um, so people kind of think of it more like tend to see it more as cultural appreciation but I think that in specific instances where like there is a clear power differential then it can be cultural appropriation for example um, a big example a lot of a lot of Cameroonians will know um, the 2010 Shakira song Waka Waka that's a Cameroonian song every Cameroonian has heard this saying it, it's been sung in our ears it's a Cameroonian song originally right but she didn't credit the Cameroonian um I was gonna say author but it's not a book um the Cameroonian artist (laughs) and so you know that is I mean she's not black that was a bad example she's not a black woman but I kind of forgot that I kind of I was about to say I was like (laughs) I mean even if she was black it would still be cultural appropriation because or is that not appropriation or is that theft I don't know the point point is the the very specific thing that you said that like makes a whole difference is how you said like if you don't give credit and if you don't um associated with that person it's all about association like giving credit is like that's the biggest thing because on an outside perspective it's black on black. They can't, like, they don't know, like, they can't, they can't be like, you're African, you're Caribbean, you're American. To them, we're all the same. So if we're doing something that might insult another person's culture, you have to, like, acknowledge, okay, is this insult- insulting in the first place? Am I doing this right? And am I giving them credit? So with the whole, I didn't know that, like, when Kofi came, they dressed up as Jamaicans. I feel like that's really insulting. But, like, if they, like, put it as like, okay, we're dressed up like this to, I don't know, honor you coming here or whatever. I think it would have been like a bit less sus because that's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, like kind of like Dr. Umar does it in a very good way. I don't like, he's very radical, but he's very respectful. Like the way he- <laughs> Do you say black he... lives matter? <laughs> Do you say Black Lives Matter? Wait, I wanted to ask. Like the way he acknowledges the history, when he does wear it, he actually says, okay, I got this from Ghana. This is the name Mm -hmm. of it. This is like where I got it. He like, he's actually like, it's like he understands that he's not from that culture, but wants to learn more about it. So I feel like if you're doing it more in that way, then yeah, because like there's a lot of like Caribbeans that make fun of Africans and like they wear like the siki, the shikis and stuff. And they're like, they speak in a different, oh, the way they speak too. Like when you speak broken English or when you're like, oh, like just coming to America too was so insulting. I fucking like, hate that franchise. So let me mind that. I, well, I, I haven't watched the second one because I don't want to. The but the first, one, yeah, the first one was looking very like, the first one was uh, funny. let's like, make the white man done, chuckle. You know? Yeah, it was giving Shuck and Drive for Massa. I personally yeah. don't. Was, that's not just my... destroy Africa's image because Jeez. it was so insulting. 
no historical I, I was just bamboozled so why did they make the second one inaccurate the second one okay so first of all it starts with the king um learning that he has uh, a le- illegitimate son in the in the states because when he went to, like in the first movie he had like a little night with uh, an American girl and they like he didn't know that he had sex so uh, he didn't that's why he didn't know he had a legitimate son is it so is it, the secret is so funny because the girl like the girl that he had sex with like she has she has so many baby daddies so she's like oh you're the African prince I had sex with yeah that's your son <laughs> and it's only when he showed the money that she was like oh yeah he's your son yeah you can you can take him you can go um but yeah so it's all about like how the son goes back to Africa he learns his African roots very very messy oh, they're they're mixing Ethiopian culture with Ghanaian culture and Niger- it's just so messy um, to the point where it's just like, it's just like a, a very a lim- a limited view of what Africa mm. is into a movie. And it doesn't yeah. like, it's literally, I feel like how some African-Americans think how Africa is. And that's why they don't want to go back because they're like, this is very limited. It's just a bunch of kings and queens. They think that everything's uh, like Wakanda. Everyone's rich. Some people have like, like palaces some people have like their own i'm like no this is not it like some people think wakanda is real like honey <laughs> no what what is going on but yeah it's just like it just gets me mad how movies like that they take one concept they think they're doing good but you're really not because you're not giving credit mm-hmm. and you're not really doing it in a respectful way you're just imitating and that is cultural appropriation yeah like I was thinking about the concept of like culturally appropriating one another and like one another's like I guess history because we didn't all go through like the same history I was thinking about it in terms of like can we as black Africans say the n-word is that part of our for one is that part of our history honestly it's not us us because we came to Canada and we kind of like had a different historical view on the N-word because we're kind of close to the States and like, that's what the States. Our parents never even imagined that that would have been a thing because it's like, that's a whole different history. They yeah. didn't call us niggers or niggas. Like, like the French, when they were calling it, like they didn't have like that, der- the, 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 uh, der- derogatory words I can't even say derogatory they didn't have derogatory words words uh I think they did I'd be surprised if they didn't uh, like a little like they did oh, they definitely call us like they did for like that yeah. they had to yeah. they had to <laughs> right because the, the friends are racist to. now so exactly. like back in the day like, but our parents don't know but about it like exactly that's what I'm saying it's just like because to them that was in the 1960s so to us that's nothing and we only have that kind of like image of that word because of like the music that we hear the news that we hear social like the social media that we interact is mainly from the U.S. so our parents it's just like 
I don't know what's this whole like this person cast of the n-word thing but to us it's like okay we kind of identify with the people that are being called the n-word because they're black Americans but are we black Americans no we're just first immigrants we're just first generation immigrants so it's just like we can't like can we say it I don't know but can we not say it I feel it's it's just tricky I feel like it's because we relate to today's African-Americans and like what they experience, like even though the history isn't ours, but we kind of like exactly relate with it's them. It's really not ours. I feel like we, we relate. We just got here. Literally. The only reason why we're here is because our parents chose to be here. Like 20, <laughs> 25 years ago. <laughs> we could have been in Germany. I could have been in, I don't know, freaking England and had a different like perspective on it. But the only reason why we relate with it is because our parents chose to immigrate here so it's like i feel like we have no business in that in the first place literally That's like my even opinion. like even ave like should we even yeah, like ave don't use that i no. personally think that like because language is a product mostly of circumstance it's like mostly circumstance a little bit of culture that's what i say because it's like obviously you speak the way you are speaking spoken to and the way people around you speak and so even if because I often see people hating on um people of other ethnicities for using AAVE but I think that like though it's only excusable if you grew up in that context so say I grew up in like a specific neighborhood in New York where everybody talks this one specific way why would I not speak this one specific way just because like my parents don't speak like that because even now I don't speak the exact way my parents speak why because as a kid how much time do you actually spend at home speaking to your parents in re- in, re- in reality you're at school you're at sports you're out with your friends you get most of your language cues, the slang, the way you speak, even in formal settings, you get it from your school environment and from your social environment. And also a bit from the internet, right? We would be foolish to act like the internet doesn't influence the way we speak because we're in 2021. Like obviously, especially like children nowadays, it for sure does, right? Even me, I speak the way I speak because of the environment that I grew up in, right? So now if I started speaking in AAVE, that would be cultural appropriation because that's not like cultural, that's just not, I don't speak like that, right? And it would even be unnatural for me to say some of the phrases because I don't know how they're used because that's just not the way I talk, right? AAVE is a language. Also, that's a side note that we need to have like an asterisk, I guess. Like a lot of people feel like they can just like things like, okay, so languages that are kind of, or not even languages, dialects that are like adjacent to English, people feel comfortable dropping in and out of them like they don't have any fucking rules. That's not how it works. Even like Jamaican Patois, even like um, Pidgin, you know, um, in like Nigeria and Cameroon, like it sounds, it sounds like English, but it's not. Like you can't just like hear words and then like use them as you please in sentences that's not how languages work like you can and then a lot of y'all sound stupid trying to replicate languages or trying to speak in ways that aren't natural to you and I think that's where the problem comes in um because black is trendy being black right now is super trendy a lot of people want to sound cool they sound trendy. Yeah. you can buzz words that they saw on the <laughs> internet sound dumb woo chile like girl you don't even know the pronunciation and you're out here looking it's ragged tiled, looking dumb as like, hell. Well, how are they gonna say Chilean? It's hell. Tiled. Like I feel 
like the only people that should be entitled to use AAVE are people who are products of that culture and that environment, right? So you being Black does not necessarily entitle you to use AAVE unless you grew up either you have family that speaks it or you grew up in an environment where everybody else around you speaks it. Um, So that, yeah, that's kind of like a long-winded way of saying that. But that applies really to like any language. Because even let me just drop, you know, Cameroonian French, right? Cameroonian French and regular, regular French, like they're obviously, you know, they're they're like obviously they're very, very similar, yeah. but there's like some like key like ways that like Cameroonians speak French that are like different than like, you know, so it's like even if you're a French speaker and you grew up around that, like some of the key things would be different right and so if you're not like from that culture from that product you probably just don't understand how those specific words are used and so you would sound my cousins talk like that because they're like Cameroonian French but like when they talk to me I have no idea what they're talking about because like I'm here so it's like and me pretending to talk with them is not okay because I did not grow up with that so, so I cannot talk like them. Skin so, color same thing with AAB. Um, not well. Once again, but, because uh, in general, it's always like if the white man sees us as all the same, we're gonna see each other as all the same, but in a very bad sense. Like yeah. yes, we are all the same, but let's acknowledge our cultural differences, cultural differences or else one important. person is gonna mm-hmm. be like, "I'm better than you because my culture is like this." or your culture is like this, you guys don't do this this way. It doesn't, it just divides us even more. And it just gives us a point of view of like the white man. And I'm just like, yeah. he wins after that. It's just like, ah, oh, we can't, we don't have to be like this. Literally for the longest time, I thought it was African-American or Canadian, like Afro-Canadian. Like for the Afro-Canadian. longest- Afro-Canadian. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Afro-Canadian. And that's the thing too, like we're not afro if you think you're Afro-Canadian, you're most likely not. Like, I know it's people I mean, from, like, so, Nova yeah, Scotia. Like Nova Sco- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but we don't have any listeners from Nova Scotia, from my knowledge. So, <laughs> I mean, if y'all are here, from Nova, Scotia, hey. here from Nova Scotia, hey. Times. hey. Times. But from my knowledge, they're not there. Most of them from Ontario, Toronto. We know you're a sec- uh, first-gen gen- um, freaking immigrants. You're not Afro-Canadian. But to be fair, okay, so it's first, some first generations, it's either, like, super early, like, they either, because us, like, we came here when we were, like, what, four or five? But some, it's, I like, was they born came here. here when they were, like, 16. Oh, yeah, no, Catherine, oh, I, oh, I came here. when I was six. Oh, yeah, but a lot okay. of people did come, like, relatively young. Yeah, 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 like, a lot of people, yeah. But the ones that came when they were, like, 12, 13, I feel bad for them, because, like, their whole childhood is literally, like, in Cameroon or Nigeria, but as soon as they came, they had to literally like kind of like identify themselves differently just to be with the right crowd. And yeah. into a sense, it's like, yes, you are still African, but because of how you're perceived, you kind of have to like adopt, I don't know, being Canadian or like it's way worse. And if you go to like if you go to England, it's way worse. Like it's if you are an Im- oh the bullying the harassment you cannot identify yourself as african because it's just it's a it's insulting and it's just you're asking yourself for trouble so i just feel bad for those people that are like yes i am african but i can't really identify as african because of the environment that i'm in and they kind of like had to come in at an early stage but not really early their whole childhood was in africa and now they're like in a western world 
So mixing the two is really, really, really hard. Immigrating as a teenager is particularly difficult because you're in the middle of like kind of learning who you are and kind of like assimilating the cultures around you, right? So it's like shifting, completely shifting um, cultures at like that pivotal point in your growth and your development must be so like jarring, especially if you come to a country where you do not know the language um, and you do not know, you know, the social cues because like the social, social landscape in Canada is extremely different than the one in Africa, uh, not in Africa in general, in different countries in Africa, specifically, whatever, like the social scenes aren't the same friendships aren't formed the same way relationships aren't entertained the same way even the way you talk to men and even the way you men like talk to women like romantic relationships aren't like taken up in the same way they're not entertained like when you talk to like for example it's like when me like if a guy talks to me like you can tell when he's like an immigrant because like the way he moves is just like different than the way like a guy that was born here moves like the things he'll do the you know like the the way he shows affection the way he like you know it's just different right and so trying to kind of unlearn what aspects of your culture are kind of frowned upon here when it's already been ingrained into your mind that things work this way for like 16 years because if you come to a new country as an adult right you kind of you're kind of uh, you're a person right you're 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 established you're kind of and so like you can you can always like find friends maybe that fit that specific but it's like as a teenager your primary objective is to fit in right mm-hmm. is to find people that like you or to be liked by as many people as possible right and so to kind of have to change your entire personality is just like it's something that's just like extremely difficult like I, and like, that's I don't when know. you get like the immigrants that are with two completely different identities and one identity they have to acknowledge their roots and how to make their parents proud and that extra pressure that is like I feel like it is just like all immigrants have like that pressure of like succeeding being the families like being making everybody proud being the best that you can be and then the second identity of just like acknowledging yourself knowing who you really are that might not be culturally accepted but it's okay in the west because that's how you like kind of like came to discover yourself within these western cultures um and that's why it's really difficult especially like if you're a part of like these communities that they have no acknowledgement so if you're a part of like the lgbt community and you're african you cannot really integrate the two it's impossible because in like it's not it doesn't even exist in one side of your identity. So yeah. I think it's really, really difficult to like kind of mix up the two. And it's also sad that like they have to like create themselves two identities just to survive, just to make their parents proud and to actually be themselves. So um, like you kind of have yeah. to like, unless, and the thing is like, even if your parents accept you, you know, your parents like out of nowhere, they decide to accept you that doesn't translate to the community as a whole, there's always going to be someone that doesn't accept you. And that's what I hate. Like, yeah. even if my parents decide, you know, oh, that's my child, I'm fight. Look, there's someone out there that's not going to accept you, especially like, you know, we have tendency to have like big families and we have tontines that aren't like aunts that aren't actually our aunts. And then everyone suddenly gets an opinion, you know, like it's hard 
it's next to impossible to get everyone's approval you know there's always someone that's gonna have to like the importance of community um within i think not even just after within all basically black diasporas you know the the importance of like community approval um from people that did not birth you from people that you know is so interesting to me because it's like obviously there's a reason why these support networks were built and created but like the way in which like black communities have sustained themselves through um you know just general community building and how important it is for you to have like a strong foundation I think that's something I simultaneously really appreciate about black culture but also really like dislike about black culture because while like having a strong sense of community like it makes you who you are you know it makes you feel safe because like you always have someone to turn to you know like I live in well now I have family here I can go to all I have family like you know like you can have different kind of safety networks and oh I exposed where I live I should have done that let's not oh, let's okay. take that out let's cut that out, take that out. Uh, <laughs> but back to community I understand but, what you mean because it's like community yeah. is so important that it paralyzes it it paralyzes you to the like, point that if you disappoint that community it's over so it's just yeah. like yes community is important but it's just so important that like as soon as you do something that's like against it like being a rich auntie and living your best life because you don't want to get married you're kind uh, of breaking the community just... because you're not building children you're not building mm. a bigger community you're yeah. not contributing in the community There's this overwhelming um, desire exactly to constantly please the community which can be good because it can like push you to strive for great things you know like oh say like you know they love to say c'est notre fille you know like it's it's our daughter you know because it's like in a sense like your community made you right your community yeah. raised you they made you village. the person you are it takes a village that's one of my favorite quotes I'm bio is literally we will be your village because like I heard a, I was at a poetry slam once and she like the poet was like yeah like I've like we've heard that it takes a village we will be your village you know and I just found it beautiful like we are your community we will be there to support you we will be there for you you know because it's like as humans we all need to be there for each other but that's a side note anyways that's like that was cringy but, but yeah <laughs> I, like, think that, I think <laughs> that, that the reason mm-hmm. i think that the reason why like the concept of community has become so paralyzing is because of white supremacy like i don't feel like i feel like if like capitalism you know wasn't a thing racism respectability politics sexism like I feel like if all those aspects of like all those oppressive systems didn't exist or like weren't as present in the concept of community when it comes to black people we'd have a much better sense of what it actually means to be a community because I've seen a lot of people like especially like on Twitter a lot of people who are like oh yeah this is what community means to me and it's like people who are like living together I don't know if you know about like how indigenous people like used to live in like the Maison Longue mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah and they used to live yeah. like in big groups in the Maison Longue and all that and it's like that's my, kind of the my idea grandma like, still lives like that like she, my grandma yeah. has a well but she has a house in the middle and there's other people in the same concubine that mm. live together yeah. so like it was like that one community they all share the same well they all share the same like oven they all share the same like paths and stuff so like it it was kind of like the same thing yeah kind of like that like the concept of like people living together people like not creating these limits and boundaries as to what it is that you can do together for example like having two people that are really close they're not necessarily involved romantically but they'll still like raise a child together 
you know, yeah. things like yeah. that. Like the concept of capitalism came into play because now we introduced a nuclear family. Now you can't be having children with someone you're not fucking. And now you have to stay with the person you're fucking because, you know, like money comes into play, divorce is expensive, life isn't easy. You don't necessarily get enough support from your community oftentimes because of capitalism to be able to make those decisions of like oh I want to leave or oh I want you know something that's a bit less um like restricting in terms of like how you want to conduct your life now you have to get married because otherwise you have no community now you have to have children because otherwise at one point you just have no friends for some reason you know like the concept of community has been really warped and I feel like we've lost like I don't know if it was like that before but I feel like the concept of like community I feel like it's just like community in quote like in quotes not really from what I know from like my grandma's stories is that like you were able to stay single, but it was still frowned upon. But I think it was just because of mindsets. So if your community had a specific mindset, you kind of just had to go along with that. And changing communities, integrating into a new one is not really easy. So it's either like you stick with us, even though you don't think like us, or you leave into someone that thinks like you, but finding that is also like different so like you could have you could be a single mother as long as you're like helping out like the ones that are our mothers um sometimes like they lost like their husbands to the war like we still had wars and stuff because 1960s we still had to fight for our lives um so like i think because of like that like hostile environment it was okay if you didn't have a man because it's like they're probably all dead anyways but now it's like <laughs> but now it's like that concept of like, like what you said you have to be married you have to have this ideology of how things work you need to contribute you need to be this as a woman like there's so many like checkpoints that you have especially as a woman like you have to be respectful you have to be a virgin you only can be with this one person and if you do fuck him you have to marry him so so now, um, since we immigrated here, we don't really have the same mindsets as the communities that we grew up in. So it's either we stay in it and we don't, we can't really be ourselves because we don't have the same mindsets or we can make our own because we kind of relate to each other even a bit better. I, I think what's actually interesting is that like, as Africans, I don't think we're like, I think we're really different. I think like even like, between Africans, like first generation immigrants, like we're so different that like me personally, when it comes to getting close to other first generation immigrants, I have to do like a lot of like checking, checking for especially like phobias, isms, like a lot of checking for that. And there's a lot, there's still like, surprisingly, I didn't expect that. Maybe it's because of like how I grew up, how I grew up to like not have those or to try to work against them um, oppressive systems but it's so interesting to see how many people have just embraced like homophobia and sexism and like the concept of she has to be calm young breedable you know Bro. like it's really surprising how many people like really suck that in and like I don't know it just makes me wonder like where does that even come from because parents influence is usually not that strong from what I've seen so it's like where well, does that I think it's like once again those those ones that came when they're like 16 so it's like some are already like integrated but some it's like they're kind of switch in or the ones that are already established and then they come in just for uni or just for their masters or whatever I think so those are the ones that I've met so far I've like you guys are the only ones that I know that are born here. Yeah, like, 
Yeah. Also, so I think I, it depends on like, yeah, literally like you, I, like most of the Africans that I know, they either came when they're like 12, 11, 16, or it came for like literally their master's or like finish their bachelor's. So I maybe. think it depends on like who, which African you're talking to. I also think it depends on like where you grew up. If you're, cause if you're also talking about like, so Dizon is an African came here when they're 12, but if they're put into an environment where most people are accepting of things like, you know, people being gay, you know, women having rights, you know, of things of those natures, then things of those, na- things of that nature, whatever, anyways, either way, um, then they are also prone to like learning about those things also. Because even if they came here when they were six or even if they were born here, right, if they're in an environment where everybody is homophobic and everybody is like, you know, harboring these same, you know, toxic ideologies. And obviously there's going to like be ingrained that. So it's like their parents at home are telling them X, Y, Z, believe this, this, this. And then their peers at school also believe the same thing. And so they're not getting any um, type of different input. Like for example, where I grew up, were people homophobic? I think they were whites. homophobic, but they were white. So it's like white homophobia is different than like African homophobia because African homophobia is very intense. There's this really funny video that I saw. It was just this guy talking to his uncle, right? And he said the word succeed. And the uncle was like, succeed? You're sucking seed now. I rebuke it. <laughs> like, and I'm like, the paranoia. Like, absolutely. The paranoia yeah, is extremely intense. And it's also it. rooted in, like, Christianity, once again. It's rooted in, like, a white lot supremacy. of religion. But it's, like, the white homophobia that I was around was more so just, like, gay jokes. Ah, ha, ha. Like, yeah, gay people are fine subtle. as long as they don't try to hook up with me. But First of all, they don't want you. You can't even mention it. You can't Yo, just breathing about it. It's just, like, but, how dare you so i was able to come out of that environment without being afraid of gay people um you know so how how did i do i don't know surprising um yeah so i think it also depends on the environment you grow up around um and just to bring it back a bit to like cultural like and like diaspora shift what do you guys think about like gatekeeping cultures you know and how bad we are at it i feel like all black people in general are fucking horrendous at gatekeeping culture because like so many like i feel like there's like semi-permeable is that the word permeable membranes between like the cultures and like concepts are kind of just passing through and like sometimes we decide but more times it does not and so like for example like especially like language right yo in toronto most of the like slang or most of the common you know terms literally come from like jamaican slang it comes from like islam it comes from like like somalia like a like a variety of different like even british like you know like they take from and so now you have people so then like when like i've had like jamaicans who come to like toronto and then they hear people talk here and they're like what the fuck are you talking about like that's not how you use that you know and so we take words and we completely kind of like not um what's the word morph them into like different things um because it's like like, people it's like people saying boombaklet on Twitter and then no, everyone started giving their opinion. What was that? What, who did that? I need names. For me, I need the names. Thing, the biggest thing why we're not good at gatekeeping is because we are too lazy to understand the backgrounds. Yep. People are too lazy to actually dig in 
understand where does this come from? What context is it used in? And can I still use this in this specific time? So the whole Balmaclot thing, nobody said, oh, where does this come from? Can I use this in this context? And is this appropriate context that I can use it in? No, like nobody cares about information anymore. And I'm just like, it's just whatever That's comes around. One. No one cares about information no one anymore. Cares Words about mean things. Words mean things. People like, just throw around nobody words. Looks in, they have no fucking definitions. Bro, like Jesus. Drake at this point is is lo- he's Hispanic. He's Muslim. What's he's that Jamaican. song he made? Happy people. Nobody questions it. Nobody I don't even have a name. This man. He was like, he can he easily say salam alaikum in a song. Nobody's going to question please, him. Haraki. <laughs> he can easily make a, he can oh, easily oh. name his child Adonis. Huh? What? Oh, that's oh. so funny. Abiti, please. Hada Aki. Sorry. Who threw that busted ass goddamn Medina? I guess I can end it with um the way we could end cultural appropriation, the stupid stereotypes that we have within the Black diaspora is just getting informed, knowing Literally. how things are historically knowing our differences and embracing them, not saying that I'm better than you because we did this and we did that. Just embracing the cultural differences, appreciating the fact that like some of our cultures are similar, how Soka derived from, how Soka and Kamba derived from like the African dances that they acknowledge, how some foods derive from like the African cultures that they understand too just embracing how different and similar it is and not like trying not trying to be the white man by you know bringing everybody else down just staying together okay we're already divided as much as it is so you say black lives matter (laughs) no i agree i think that Mm -hmm. as sandra was saying honestly it's like once we let you know the kind of hierarchy go like once we let go of the desire to be the number one blacks in the eyes of the white man you know we might get somewhere once we let go of this ingrained white supremacy that and it's interesting how white supremacy has ingrained itself into different ways into like each of these kind of three four major subgroups it's like all of kind of the stigmas or the hatred that the black groups have towards each other is all based on like ingrained white supremacy you know Mm -hmm. and it's interesting how that like manifests in different ways but I think that once people you know start to critically think a little tiny bit Mm-hmm. and do you know, the research your do your research oh a, my do gosh. your research literally now we have access to the internet will end because i'm tired if i have to see another twitter diaspora war i'm going to like lose it <laughs> because why are we arguing about oh we're africans oh we're not africans oh do, i'm i dominican i know black like let's not be <laughs> let's not be doing this let's not be we're old oh my we're gosh we're a bit yeah. we google have jobs free. ladies gentlemen boys girls google's is google is free you can yeah okay i feel like that was a fantastic way to wrap it up sandra thank you so 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 much for coming and bringing an educational lens to our podcast for contributing your knowledge less tweets hi let's tweet today let's tweet and we did it we did not quote a tweet today barely i feel like if we did it was maybe like one or two compared to the usual like 10 so (laughs) we did great This is so fun. Thank you guys so much.
Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Black Girls Talk. We really enjoyed recording it, so we hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. We're really thankful for having Sompla here to share some education, share some insight, all that good stuff. Make sure to check our social media in the description down below, as always. And we can't wait to see you guys next week.